Welcome to the Music Licensing Podcast. I'm your co-host, Sonnet Simmons. And I'm John Kleinbaum. Each week we sit down with top professionals in the sync world to discuss their experiences and offer inside insights on what it takes to play song to picture. From music supervisors to ad agency executives, from trailer houses to indie artists racking up licenses with their music, we'll be talking to all of the people who make the sync magic happen. Music is the backbone of a successful film or TV show. It's all about finding the right fit for the right song for the right moment. I think the key to success in music licensing is really building relationships. If you're passionate about music and the business behind making compelling media, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we dive into the fascinating world of sync and explore it with the people it takes to make it all click. The Music Licensing Podcast, where business meets the art of storytelling in media. Are you loving the information shared by our guests and hungry for more? Consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Our patrons get exclusive access to extra content from our guests each month. We have bonus content in our Patreon page that is only for our patrons. For $3 a month, you get this access and you help support us bring this podcast to you each week. You can go to musiclicensingpodcast.com to become a patron today and get extra access. Hey friends, welcome back to the Music Licensing Podcast. Today we are talking to Jordan Young, music supervisor and owner of Sync Agency. He is here talking about his experience just recently in Fiji, where he was on location for Love Island, and his experience as a music supervisor, how he shows up, how he represents songs in his sync agency, how he pitches those songs. We get the inside scoop. It's an incredible conversation to learn about what the behind the scenes look like for a supervisor and a sync agency, and get a little bit more insight on Love Island. Enjoy this episode. Hey guys, it's Sonnet. And John here with the Music Licensing Podcast. We're so happy to have Jordan Young, music supervisor, here with us. How's it going, Jordan? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. We're so Such- excited for this conversation. We've You've been um, out of the country for the last couple of months, and this conversation has kind of been on the books for when you get back. For people who are not familiar with your career and who you are, could you give us a little um, a little rundown of who you are and what you do? And then we can talk into why you've been out of the country, which kind of folds into that all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm Jordan Young. I'm a music supervisor and a sync agent. Uh, my company is called Fort Clearington. Uh, it started out initially as a sync agency. Um, I work as a one-stop and I represent specifically hip-hop and electronic music for the most part. So that's kind of the specialty or the focus there. And um, yeah, maybe about four or five years ago, I started branching out into music supervision as well. So I work on indie films and documentaries and uh, unscripted TV. So um, yeah, those are the kind of things that I do just out here uh, in LA doing the thing, trying to, uh, you know, uh, put music in, uh, in media. How did you come up with the name Fort Clarington? That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's a weird thing. I feel like I've gotten some compliments on the name. There's a part of me that's like, it's dumb. It's a real dumb name. But like, I had to come up with something, you know, it's like, this was, I don't even know how many years ago I actually started it, like eight or nine years ago. And I like 
had to come up with a name and I had a short list of different things. And this is the only one that was like unique enough to like really stand out. All the other names that I lo- I was thinking about, like I'd Google it and like 10 different companies in various industries, you know, with the same name would come up and I was like, Oh, this isn't going to work or it's not going to stand out or be unique. So, um, yeah, that's the one that, that I went with, you know, I have a little like logo that I have my friends, um, who's a graphic designer come up with. And like, I always want could kind of picture it like visually, like, oh, Fort Clearington, I want to have like a fortress and, you know, that's going to be part of the logo. And this whole image, you know, is kind of in my head, you know, before, you know, when the company was still at those very early stages. So that's kind of how I came up with it. And it's funny because like I set up a website and I get like hit up all the time from these random people that are like, oh, we can improve SEO on your site. We can improve SEO, this and that. And I'm like, I'm good on SEO. It's like you search the name of my company. It's like literally the only thing that comes up. And that's part of why I picked the name in the first place. So. Like, that's it's great. cool. Genius. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> that's funny. Well, I mean, it's standout. Definitely a standout name. <laughs> Super easy. And, and it's funny, too. It's just it's kind of like you see this like oh, it's, it's such a mission to clear things. Sometimes I'm sure it's like it's like we're, we're handled. We're, we're capable of handling anything like oh, we got thank the four. Yeah, we can clear it all. It's <laughs> um, right, and so then it brought you to leaving the country to work on a project in the last couple of months. Can you? So one, I think it's kind of unusual to like go on location with a project. Is that correct? Or you know, do you? I mean, I think that's kind of unusual. Or tell me. Yeah, about that. yeah, for sure. So. Um... Yeah, so I've been in Fiji for about the past four months working on uh, Love Island USA for Peacock. Um, We actually did Love Island USA Season 5 and Love Island Games, um, which is actually uh, premiering right now. Or I think it's maybe about halfway through the season at this point or might be over by the time this airs. I'm not quite sure. But um, yeah, so we actually went over there and did two two seasons uh, of TV during this time. I think they just thought like, oh, as long as everyone's over there, like we might as well try and squeeze a couple seasons out of it. Like the whole cast and crew is there. We already built this villa that we'll use for both shows. Like, I think it just kind of made sense. And, you know, it's it's probably about time that, you know, Love Island did a, a spinoff. You know, it's like, it's a popular show. There's a lot of different versions of it, but this was kind of a new take and a new format, uh, Games was. So uh, yeah, you know, that's kind of what we were doing over there. Um, and yeah, I've been back for about a month now as we're recording this, but it was four months over there. It's a long time. And, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's usually pretty rare for a music supervisor to be on, on site, uh, for production. I mean, the main time when that usually happens is if there's like on-camera performances, you know, where there's an actually like uh, a musician or a band or someone who's performing, you know, um, a scene or multiple scenes, you know, on on set as part of the of the production. Or, you know, if it's like a musical or, or something that's like specifically a very music driven project, um, particularly that's going to have on cameras that those are the, the cases most of the time where a music supervisor will actually be on site. Um, and it, it is pretty important for those types of jobs. But those things don't tend to happen nearly as much in uh, in indie films or in um, in unscripted TV. I mean, they can definitely happen in indie films for sure. But I mean, in- indie filmmakers have a little bit less foresight into knowing if they need a music supervisor on, on site or things like that, or maybe they can't afford it or that kind of thing. But um, it's it's actually pretty rare for unscripted TV. I feel like. But um, yeah, they had us all over there just because you know my role on the show is part of the post production department. And they made the decision to bring the entire post team out, out to Fiji to, to be with everyone else. And 
Uh, there's various reasons for that. I think a big part of it, though, was the time difference. You know, BG is about 19 hours ahead of where we are here in L.A. So just being like almost an entire day ahead for scheduling purposes and reasons like that, it would be a little bit harder for people to be in such different time zones. And, right, right. you know, th this show in particular has such a, a quick turnaround. I mean, everything mm -hmm. is basically like shot one day, it's edited overnight, um, and then it's delivered the, that that night and then airs the following day so wow. and because there's such a tight turnaround and because it's cranked out so quickly uh though being on the same schedule is a really vital part of the process wow yeah that makes a lot of sense because everybody's just like working so hard to make the magic happen all in one place that must have been amazing but it makes sense because also 19 hours ahead you, you would have been on a crazy schedule here that's amazing yeah yeah, definitely. And I think there are probably some other benefits to it, too, or there are yeah. obviously there are certain people that kind of need to go back and forth between posts and being on site. And there are certainly benefits or reasons um, that it can be helpful for that, too. So I think there's a lot of different, you know, components to it. But uh, I think the time difference was one of the main main reasons, because in past seasons, the show post has been in a different uh, location. Like last year, I was on the show as well for season four. And for that, um, the post team was all in Burbank. So we all worked as locals. We all, you know, lived at home and slept in our own beds every night and, and did all of that. Uh, and the show was shot in Santa Barbara. So it's still in California, but, you know, far enough out where, like, you couldn't, you know, work as a local or go back and forth every day. Uh, I think season three was in Hawaii, but post was in North Hollywood. So similar situation where they had it in a different location. So it's actually kind of varied. Um year to year between the seasons but i know season one they also shot the show in fiji that's the last time that they were in fiji and they had the whole post team out there again uh for that that year so um i think the time difference is one of the big factors that they take into consideration what was one of your favorite memories from this past couple of seasons that when you shot those two uh, seasons those two series in a row back to back i'm sure you have a lot of stories you were there for a month in a foreign country had to have a have some good times there too uh maybe anything memorable that you'd like to share with the audience uh yeah i mean it was yeah it was about four months so we had a long time to spend there you know and like we work really long hours on the show i mean the schedule is generally like minimum of like 12 hour days six days a week you know so there's not a whole lot of downtime or wow. off time to wow. do stuff and I'll, usually when you do get a day off you're just dead and you just want to like recharge and sleep and you might have to do laundry or you know get a haircut or buy groceries or other things during those times too so uh it can be kind of hard but we did get out a fair amount and tried to make the most of it like at the end of the day if you're in fiji you want to try to take advantage of that and actually yeah. see some of the country and do some some stuff like that so we did get to do you know some fun things like that like we got, got to like ride jet skis and i did this snorkel trip where i got to like snorkel in the deep ocean with sharks and stuff that was cool um i went to the island where the movie castaway was shot um wow so cool, cool. Yeah. So there were some fun, like adventures like that. And, um, it was just really fun to work with the crew. I mean, we just have such a great team of people out there. Uh, a lot of really talented people. Everyone's really fun. So, uh, getting to like kind of be in the trenches alongside them every day, you know, you build strong bonds with people. You start to feel pretty close with them. Yeah. You know, by the end of it, you start to feel, you know, it's almost like a, like a big family or something, you know? So, uh, getting to know them and, and do that was great. And also getting to go and, you know, 
hang out and have these adventures on the day off. Like those are really fun too. So um, yeah, I guess those are some of the things that come to mind uh, first and foremost. Awesome. Do, do y'all get to know the, the actual uh, the, the cast members of the show too, or, or are they more or less kind of in their own world and the crew is kind of on their, in their own zone when these types of productions happen? Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't really get to mingle with the cast personally very much, but they're definitely around. You know, at the end of the day, it's like Fiji is only so big. And, you know, while they try to keep the cast a bit isolated for various reasons, you know, there's a lot of things they take into consideration, just like, you know, COVID protocols and stuff like that. It's like they don't really want to risk having a cast member like test positive or something like that. Oh, they yeah. also don't want a cast member to maybe like get spoiled or get too much information on what's going on just because they want to keep the integrity of the show intact and make sure that, you know, something isn't going to get, get spoiled in regards to that. But at the same time, like the cast, they were out there, you know, a lot of them were like staying at the same hotels as us and at least for various parts of it. Cause the way that it all comes together, it's like so much of this is kind of on the fly. I mean, they really do kind of, adjust and react to what's actually happening in the villa so you know throughout the course of the season they have various like bombshells they call them that kind of get brought in and they're like new additions to the villa and those are the kind of the new the new cast members that are introduced and you know they kind of make decisions you know fairly last minute or you know on the fly about who's going to come in and, and when they're going to come in and things like that so some of these bombshells are kind of just hanging out in the hotel waiting for their shot to get called up and things Interesting. like that yeah, so I mean, people are definitely around, and some people are like, oh, like we saw Victor at the hotel pool the other day, or this or that or whatever. And I guess there was like a big uh, kind of like it felt like a big like going away party at the end because there were so many people. They're all flying back to LA like the day after we wrapped, so they were all like in the Fiji airport, and they're just like, oh, Courtney and Zeta just showed up, and like there's this whole like thing about like a bunch of the cast members in addition to the crew. Like this big, like practically impromptu going away party at like the Fiji airport. Yeah, I'm sure it's like some tiny little one. You're like, I see you over there. Like, it's not this huge LAX experience. So, how, yeah, definitely small airport for sure. And it's like we've been watching these people, you know, on camera, yeah. For- weeks or months at that point so it's like we definitely know who you they know are them. It, it's obvious too it's like everyone on the island practically knew that like love island was there it's like word gets out we'd go on some of these day trips we just hear people talk about like i heard love island's here and you know things like that or you just like hear and talk to people and interacting and it's like that's not really like a big secret that we're here you know and um yeah even a lot of the locals that are like you know driving taxis or working in restaurants or stuff like that. It's like, it's pretty obvious when we like walk in, you know, it's, it's not like a big secret that we're part of the crew or part of the production when a big group of people that are obviously foreigners, you know, walk into a place or whatever. It's, uh, it, it seems pretty noticeable or pretty obvious. Yeah. How amazing. It's like a life, uh, you know, one of those life experiences that it kind of, you know, you come back and you see the world differently or you have these experiences that, really kind of create chapters in your life. I mean, I don't know, but for me, like, I feel like these moments or the, like four months is a good period of time. It wasn't like a, you know, couple weeks, like vacation mode. You're like grocery shopping and getting haircuts. Like you're, you're living there, you know, living and breathing and a part of the the world. So what an amazing experience. And what is, what's next for you right now that you're looking, you know, into the future, if you can share with us, like what's your, your next kind of I don't know, working on or just kind of looking towards? 
Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, I'm kind of just want to chill for a little bit. You know, it's like, this I'm sorry. I just like, want to take a break for a second. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and no, it's just like you said, it's like, this was really an adventure, you know, to go out here and to, to do this. Like I've never been in a foreign country for, you know, four months or anywhere near that much time, uh, before all in one shot. And like, I do love to travel, you know, I definitely have been to a, a decent handful or a couple handfuls of countries. I want to see a lot more of the world. So that was a really enticing part of actually getting to do the job this time around is to go to another country and spend time there. And well, it, it definitely had its ups and downs, you know, it was honestly a bit more challenging than I even thought it was going to be. Um, yeah, it was an adventure and I was definitely grateful for it. Um, but yeah, you know, working those long hours, you know, day after day for months in a row, like it is really taxing, you know, it's really exhausting. I feel like it's, I've been back for about, you know, a month now as we're recording this. And, um, I feel like I'm kind of just now getting settled or getting kind of reacclimated into normal life and like what, you know, a routine feels like and, and, uh, what things were like before I left. But yeah, I kind of just want to do a little bit more of that and, and just chill for a little bit. You know, it's been nice to catch up with like friends and family and, Obviously, we've got like the holidays right around the corner, so it'll be nice to to do that, catch up on some personal stuff. Um, but you know, I do have a handful of indie films I'm working on right now. They're all in various stages, you know, of development or production. Um, you know, they that's kind of the way indie films seem to go is they just kind of you know go on until they're done. You know, a lot of them tend to be you know, projects that are open for quite a while. And, you know, sometimes it's very hands-on and sometimes you might literally go months without like any progress being made noticeably or without hearing from the team. Cause they're, you know, there's various act, you know, stages of development that they're in, or there's various things that are going on. And um, I've got a couple that are close to being wrapped up. So I actually want to like get the, get those completely finished and off my plate. So that'll be nice, you know, to have that, that done and you know keep chipping away at the others and um i interviewed for another show uh recently maybe a few weeks ago so we'll see if something pans out there and um yeah i think that's kind of uh kind of it at this point you know i'm kind of just gonna relax and chill and you know keep chipping away on these other projects i've got and kind of see whatever else is down down the line but i i don't know i've got a good feeling about 2024 you know it's like i feel like we're just at the point where we can kind of start saying that and start looking ahead to the uh the new year a little bit so absolutely um, yeah 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 especially with everything that's happened recently with the writer's strike and the actor's strike you know it seems like it's resolved for the moment and it seems like to me that there's a lot of excitement in the supervisor and agency community about early 24 and I would love to hear what your thoughts are on all of that in terms of, is this really going to accelerate the process of projects coming through in the first part of the year? How's, how do you think that might all pan out? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great question. Um, and yeah, it's, it's true. It's exciting that the strikes are seemingly over now. And I've, I've actually heard of even a couple people that are coming back to work and like things like, Oh, we're back on. And now production is, is kicking off again. And these people actually aren't music supervisors or people um, that work in sync in any way, but just other capacities, people that are like actors or writers or work in production in some other ways. Um, I think particularly it's going to be like the more proven established shows that were put very much on hold. Like, Oh, we were in active production and had to shut down or like, Oh, we had the green light and we're going to move ahead with this new season. And suddenly like it, 
it came to a halt. I think those are pro- obviously going to be the first ones to come back. You know, something that's like, oh, a new series or something, it's, those are probably going to be a little bit, you know, slower to start up or come back, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is exciting to think about. There might be more opportunities or more prospects um, starting up after a long drought for, for the industry for a lot of people. I mean, I myself have been very lucky that, that I have been working, you know, for this whole time, pretty much. And I haven't had the same um, dry spell that a lot of other people have. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Um, but other than that, I don't know. I think that it's probably not going to like pick up quite as much as it was. But I don't think we're going to pick up right where we left off. You know, it's like I think the reality is, is that moving forward, there are probably going to be less less shows and less movies that are made, you know? Um, I think we were kind of in like the golden era of, of TV for a long time where it's like, there was so much content being made and all these streamers were kind of like competing with each other and trying to build up a subscriber base and so much stuff was being made. And I think now there's kind of like a a bubble that's maybe burst a little bit on the, the reality of that and the actual profit profitability of streaming. And, you know, some of these companies are going to be focusing on trying to, uh, to to reap what they've already sowed, you know, and try to start, you know, monetizing on these subscriber bases they've built a little bit more and maybe focus a little bit less on just churning out, you know, a high volume of shows. So uh, I, I do think, you know, I want to be optimistic about it, but realistic at the same time and just know that like, hey, the reality is, is there, there will probably be at least some, you know, less shows being made and we're going to have to kind of focus on um, on the ones that are. What a measured response. Love it. Great response. I mean, and then it brings to like quality over quantity, you you know, it's like really being able to bring in, um, it maybe, you know, who knows what it will evolve to, but that's what it kind of brings up to me is at some point there's so much going on and maybe we can look at it from the perspective of quality over quantity, but who knows we will see. But yeah, it was a really good, response and food for thought in a lot of ways um, to see how it kind of goes. But 2024 is, I think you, how amazing that you've had this year to go into 2024 uh, with your your experience. I mean, I know you came in to get repped last, this last year in 2023, which is our first time kind of chatting with you and to hear like what you've accomplished in the last five years and what you've said yes to and the way that you show up in the world and the way that like these opportunities, you work really hard for these opportunities. Um, and so I would love to hear, I know you shared a little bit about this and get repped, like what are some of the things you do on a daily basis or, you know, try to do daily to kind of keep that mental fortitude in the way that you show up and the way that you say yes, the way that you like really, um, I guess show up for your life. And so you, you know, it's obvious to see the success that you have because of it. I wanted to take a quick break. If you guys are looking for more information on music licensing, on live events, on our private sync community, please come on over to twoindie.com. We put on live events every year. We have a private sync community. We have a free 90 minute bootcamp that covers everything that you need to know about music licensing. Really gives you that jump start that you might be looking for. If you're looking for more resources, more education, more events to get involved in, please come on over to twoindie.com. Okay. And now back to the episode. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. On a daily basis, that's hard to say. I, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily have like as much of a, a routine as I like probably should or wish that I did, you know, 
like I do have things where I like to try and like get exercise a little bit and I meditate on a regular basis and stuff like that that I think is good for your mental health and motivation and stuff like that. But otherwise it's just trying to stay on top of everything. You know, it's like, there's obviously tons of emails that come in. I have like a million like different like to-do lists of things to try and ship away at and, and get through to. And I think just uh, trying to stay active for, for opportunities when they're out there, you know, it's like, I think we all get briefs that come our way, you know, from the pitching side and um, trying to stay on top of those whenever um, I have something that's relevant and that works, you know, stay keeping an ear to the ground for new music that's coming out. I mean, there's a lot of that that's a part of the process, but, you know, in, in my experience and also just with needs that have, like there'll be, you know, uh, a filmmaker or a production that I'm working with or whatever that will suddenly just jump in and be like, Oh, Hey, we need this, or I have this question for you or whatever. And, um, you know, those always just come out sporadically, you know, you can never like plan on when someone's going to have a need for something. So trying to like be attentive to that and deal with it like as quickly as and favorably as possible. Um, that's always great because if you don't, sometimes it can turn into bigger problems or can, uh, you know, so, or sometimes people will have things, oh, real quick, this this quick thing. And it's like, oh, that's actually a much bigger conversation that needs to happen. Or it's actually like things are rarely as simple and straightforward as a lot of people think they are, you know? So being able to get in front of it or have those conversations as quickly as possible is usually helpful. But um, for me, it's like, I don't know so much of this or the approach that I've taken. It's a little bit less about like the day to day. And it's a little bit more about like the long term. You know, it's like this business yeah. has so many ups and downs and things will be good. And then there'll be a huge dry spell or, you know, so many things just take patience and persistence, you know. So for me, like I try to focus a little bit more on like the long game and try to think about um, how I can like, you know, out shoot my shot for the opportunities that come out but also can like be patient and wait through the rough patches you know a lot of times landing a sink you know from the agency side it's like you know you might pitch something and then like months later you'll hear back about it and then you know months later you'll actually do the clearance and then months later you'll actually get paid from it right. and it's, a, it's a really long process you know yeah. and I think like you just have to like shoot a lot of shots you know it's like I pitch music as much as I can um, and then out of all those shots, it's like maybe one or two actually go somewhere or maybe like a few of them do. And then a few of those that actually go somewhere, like one or two maybe actually happens, you know, and actually makes it all the way across the finish line. You know, it's the same thing for, you know, being a music supervisor. It's like, I'm always keeping an ear to the ground for like new content that's coming out. Like I watch indie movies on streaming services and I'll try to reach out to the filmmakers and just be like, Hey, like I, I watched your movie. I really like this about it. Like I, this is what I do. And I'd love to, to work with you sometime or talk to you at some point, if you have any interest in that, you know, it's funny. Cause like being like an indie music supervisor, it's kind of like being a sync rep in a lot of ways where you're like, researching different music supervisors and trying to like reach out to them and in a way that's specific and you know actually like geared towards who they are and what they do and what they're looking for and things like that like as a music supervisor trying to make connections with people you're kind of doing the same thing where you're like researching them and checking out some of their work and reaching out in a targeted specific way you know in a way that's hopefully genuine and, and real at the same time and and actually um you know, trying to make connections and forge relationships from uh, um, from the get-go. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are all things that I kind of do as part of the process, whether it's on a day-to-day -day basis or, like I said, much more in like a, a long-term or long-form kind of approach. Wow. That was a much better answer than the question I asked because you really <laughs> like 
topped it off and I just hear so much, you know, yes, it, it's the day-to-day creates the long-term, the way that you show up in perseverance and patience and that mindset to keep doing it and to reach out and do the research to be proactive in your career and you're pitching other people's music as well. And to talk about your clearance or your your agency for just a second, um, I love that it's really specific in what you represent. How do you find the the music that you represent? If you were to talk about it for just a, a minute to touch on that side of it, where do you, are you yeah. out there looking for it or it's pitched to you a lot or how, what would you say is the majority of it? Uh, yeah, it definitely goes both ways. I mean, I, I first kind of decided to take that approach just because I wanted to like stand out and be top of mind for certain people um, when they have needs. You know, for me, it's always seemed really hard just to be like, oh, I have everything. I've got a little bit of everything. Hit me up for whatever. And it's like, how's anyone going to like remember you or, or think about you when they have a specific need like that? So um, for that reason, and also when it comes just for me to like, who am I going to pitch music to or who am, who am I going to target? you know, um, that would be a good fit for some of my stuff. If I just think about like, oh, like there's so many shows and they all have different needs. For me, it's easier to think about like, what are the shows that use a lot of hip hop? Or like, what are the music supervisors that use a lot of hip hop? And, you know, those are kind of the, the targets to go after or the places that make the most sense to try and, you know, form relationships with or keep top of mind or try to um, keep in touch with. And a lot of that too, it's not just about forming these relationships. It's also about like, maintaining them it's like how often is it okay to follow up and what's the best way to follow up and kind of keep in touch you know over an extended period of time well you know staying in the mix but not being too persistent or not being you know overly communicative and and things like that um but as far as how it started it's like i i actually had a lot of these relationships um with artists and labels already because i started in the music business as a radio promoter so i worked as a non-commercial radio promoter promoter i would pitch music to like uh you know college and community and public broadcast radio stations um to get airplay for for my clients and you know as a radio promoter i started out specializing in hip-hop music in particular as well so in this case, it's like, oh, I already knew a lot of these artists and labels, and it kind of made an easy transition to start pitching their music for sync. So starting out, like uh, I started my company with a lot of these relationships that I had already built. And then it kind of took off from there. You know, it's like I'm always kind of keeping an ear to the ground towards artists and labels and things like that, uh, that I feel like would be a good fit for sync to reach out to. Um, so I find a lot of music that way. I get referrals, you know, from, you know, clients that I already have that have maybe other friends or collaborators that they um, they want to have their music reps. Um, I continue to work, you know, with a lot of the same people, too, because, you know, artists and labels are they're always releasing new music and making new music. So that kind of keeps um, keeps everyone fed and keeps new stuff coming into the pipeline. And um, and I do get submissions as well. I honestly don't tend to do as much with those just because. You know, this is a an industry uh, where relationships and trust are really important. And if I just get a cold submission from someone I don't know, it, it makes it. I'm always not super optimistic about that. You know, um, there's just a lot that goes into this, especially. You know, for me, it's like I'm pretty strict on what I take on and and the requirements that I have about like my process for vetting music and onboarding new new clients and new music and. Um, yeah, there's just a lot that goes into that, especially for hip hop. You know, hip hop is like 
notoriously the most challenging genre of music to license. There's so many things to look out for with like samples and interpolations and, you know, having a very broad, you know, list of collaborators and writer splits and things like that. Like it's not at all uncommon to have an album that comes out from a hip hop artist and like every track is produced by someone else. And there's two or three side artists on every song. And suddenly it's like the circle is not tight at all. And like it, it, it gets very expansive very quickly. So there are certain things that I would look for um, when I'm, at least when I'm kind of scouting music and, and looking for what's out there. And some of the things are like, if there's an entire album where it was only produced by one or two people, you know, or maybe only has a couple of side artists or something like that, that, obviously makes it so that the circle is pretty tight you know things like that you know artists that obviously don't have any kind of history of of sampling or things like that i mean those are things that definitely make something much more viable for sync um at least for me because it's you can find plenty of music that sounds great but like is it safe and is it licensable i mean that's obviously like the the most important question uh, when it comes to whether i'm considering you know uh repping an artist or or an album or whatever it is there's some really great parallels with the way that supervisors from what it sounds like from the way you as a music supervisor and as an agency conduct business and the way that an indie artist who might like to have their music licensed to film and TV, how they might reach out to somebody. It's just professional etiquette. It's about building relationships. This is all just so valuable to hear and also great to hear a little bit of those clearance pointers as well for anybody who's tuning in on that stuff. Just make sure you have all that stuff buttoned up. Jordan, this has been amazing. I I think we're almost at the end here, but I would like to ask you one more question. And that question is, how can people find you if they'd like to follow what you're doing, what you're up to? Uh, do you have public profiles at all? And if not, uh, that's totally cool. But uh, and where can people can where can people find Fort Clarington? Where where does where is it located? Yeah, totally. Yeah, just to bring it full circle uh, back to the beginning. Um, yeah, so my company is called Fort Clarington. You Google it; should be real simple to find. Hopefully. Um, and that's just F-O-R-T and then C-L-E-A-R-I-N-G-T-O-N. Uh, Clearington being a totally fictitious word that I just made up for this company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with clear, obviously, being the root word. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I'm out there on social media, too. It's just uh, Jordan Young 189 is the uh, handle on, like, Twitter and Instagram. Um, you know, I, I have I just have one profile that I use for these. You know, I do post a lot of business and work related stuff on my profiles about like what I'm up to and things like that. There's definitely photos up there from like Fiji and Love Island and stuff like that. I also use it for personal stuff. For me, it just feels like it made a little bit more sense to just have one profile that I use for everything rather than like having a a company or a business profile or something like that. Um, Plus I don't like to like put a ton of time and effort into social media stuff. And it feels like to have another page, it's a lot of work to maintain it. But um, yeah, you know, links to all of those, I think, are on the on my company website as well. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for jumping in with us today. This has been an amazing conversation. Yeah, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And thanks so much for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. We can't wait to have you back. Likewise. Yeah, anytime. A special shout out to Daniel Lim for providing this incredible music to our podcast and Kurt Hunter, our editor. Big thanks to our patrons on Patreon. Olger Willebrandt, Carolee Garrison, Daniel Trilk, 
Ted Meyerson, Willow Speak, Mark Stone from the Dirty Country Band, Lisa Dunn, Gabrielle Taran, and Claire Heaton. We can't do it without you. Thank you so much for your support. <laughs>